Porida, good morning. Lovely to have your company today. We're filming here in St. David's in Lache. It's the third Sunday in Lent and it's wonderful to have you with us. Liz Williams, our lay reader, will be preaching for us. Carol will be reading and Barbara leading us in our prayers. So I hope that you're blessed as you worship with us, that you see Jesus more clearly, that you learn to follow him more nearly and to love him more dearly. As we begin to worship together then, let me pray the collect for today, the special prayer of the church for the third Sunday in Lent. Almighty God, whose most dear Son was sent not to joy, but first to suffer pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find in it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.
reading today is Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But until you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilise it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We just heard about some of the group of people Jesus was talking to, asking his opinion on current affairs, um, the recent actions of, on the orders of the Roman governor Pilate. Our conversations on current affairs over the last few years have been dominated by COVID-19. But as the situation is slowly improving, they've now turned to the war in Ukraine causing tension to us now. There are wars fought all over the world, but this one is rather close to home. It's got the potential to escalate as well. All this because of injustice. The Archbishop of Canterbury has chosen as his Lent theme this year, embracing justice. He's commissioned a book to be written on the subject. The people Jesus is talking to are questioning the justice of the recent actions of their Roman occupiers. And we can't help but seeing the parallels with what's happening in the Ukraine. The event that sparks Jesus' response is Governor Pilate's execution of Galileans during some of their ritual religious practices. And such an event could have personally affected Jesus on many levels. Firstly, he was a Galilean, which means the violence impacted people from his neighbourhood who he could have grown up with. And secondly, Pilate was directly appointed by the Roman Empire and it had a track record for brutality and being violent, um, to the, to, uh, being a violent ruler and his fear-inducing brutal treatment of his subjects in the province, like Jesus. This was experienced daily, directly or indirectly. Pilate's presence in this story from Luke and his eventual role in Jesus' execution shows how Luke understands Pilate as a, Roman, as a Roman representative in Judea. Also, 
As Pilate had mingled the Galileans' blood with sacrifices, this insinuates that Pilate violated the Galileans' ritual practice. It's not clear what this incident refers to because there are no other sources outside Luke that report the event. Nonetheless, we can see here that agents of the empire had no problem transgressing the boundaries of, a sacred, of sacred practice for their own purposes. And of course, Luke's mention of Pilate, Galileans and sacrifices is, is no coincidence. At the end of the gospel, Pilate will mix the blood of Jesus, a Galilean, with the ultimate Passover sacrifice, Jesus himself. Jesus does not discuss Pilate in his response. He talks instead about his fellow Galileans, and he asks if those who were slaughtered were worse sinners than other Galileans because of how they had suffered. The logic of his question refers to the popular understanding of divine retribution, which presumed that punishments, especially catastrophes, were proportionate to the crime of sin mentioned in Deuteronomy in the Jewish Torah. And to that logic, Jesus emphatically says no. He refutes that logic for the, uh, at least two reasons. The decisions of Pilate as Rome's agent, and not the same as God's justice. Luke uses Jesus' words to prepare the audience to put his execution at the hands of the Romans into a framework that is not the result of human sin or personal, or, or sorry, of divine penalty. Jesus does this by reminding his listeners of the 18 people who were crushed under the tower in Jerusalem. Like those Galileans murdered by Pilate, their unfortunate circumstances do not indicate that they were morally depraved. They were victims of a surprising, unforeseen disaster. And Jesus uses these unpredictable, unchangeable incidents to prompt his audience to change what they can, that is, their minds. Jesus, as a prophet, places the local issues in what could be called a cosmic framework, spiritual and heavenly balanced with the here and now and the what is to come, a sort of divine what-to-do list. Rather than focus on an event which is now in the past and can't be controlled, he encouraged them to change what they can, Again, that is their minds. Jesus tells them to repent, to change their minds about their current commitment to injustice and unrighteousness. And changing one's mind in this way leads to a changing conduct. He's telling them to adjust their behavior and return to God. If they opt not to return or choose not to change their minds, they risk being ruined in the same way as the Galileans and the Jerusalemites. Jesus is not suggesting that repentance will prevent them from a physical or catastrophic de death. Rather, he's stating that changing their minds will prepare them for whatever they'll experience. And Jesus illustrates this point by turning to a parable about a fig tree that's not produced fruit for three years. Luke tells us earlier that John the Baptist 
Baptist describes just dealings as the fruit of repentance. And also in the Sermon on the Plain, which is in chapter 6, Jesus states that a good tree produces good fruit. And similarly, a good person produces good from the goodness of his heart. In chapter 8, Luke uh, speaks of the parable of the sower, where Jesus explains that those with good hearts hear the word of God. They hold fast to it and patiently produce fruit. And with this evidence, the the fig tree represents the human heart. It seems the fig tree mentioned in today's reading is already ruined, reflected in the lack of fruit. However, the owner's gardener proposes tending the tree for another year to determine whether it should be cut down. If it does not produce fruit, then it should be cut down. This would not be a surprise, and the gardener would be prepared to cut it down, as it was literally wasting the earth it was planted in. The gardener represents Jesus, giving us a second chance by dying for us on the cross. Jesus' message is clear. Don't be like the fruitless tree. Rather than focus on the gravity of others' transgressions, make sure you are producing good. Instead, that is, that we should ensure that we are not ignoring our own missing fruit or our own acts of good. If we do refuse to do this type of work, we're already ruined. As Jesus' words suggest, tending to our own, one's own life and, and positively changing one's own mind is the best strategy to persevere through or even prevent unexpected difficulties. Amen.
Shall we pray? In our prayers today, we remember Brecon Ministry Area in our own diocese and La Iglesia Anglicana de Mexico. We remember Andrew, our Archbishop, and John, our Bishop. We pray for Adrian, our Vicar, Reverend Andrew, Elizabeth, Glyn, Ben, and their families. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our world and ask that you will grant wisdom to world leaders. You know all your people, Lord. Everyone on this earth is known to you. We ask that you will look with mercy on all who are engaged in battle. Please banish all the violence, evil and hatred. Be with your people who are now refugees and victims of war. Bless and heal your world, Father. Bring comfort to everyone as only you can. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We offer up a prayer of thanks for our Queen Elizabeth as she comes ever nearer to her Platinum Jubilee celebrations. She has given 70 years of loyalty and devotion to our country and to the Commonwealth. We pray that you will bless her and her family and keep them ever close to you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for our church and our congregation. We thank you that you are God who watches over us, protects us, and surrounds us with your love. We pray that you will keep us close to one another as we praise you for all you do for us through each day we are alive and the blessings you send fill our hearts with your peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of love, when we lose someone we love, we ask you to give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. We praise you for being with us in our sorrow and comforting us in our loss. Lord, help us to remember that those we love do not go away. Their lives were a blessing and their memories are a treasure. They were all loved beyond words and a missed beyond measure. And Lord, we thank you for them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Father, we pray for ourselves. We thank you that you're always with us for your faithfulness to, to us in difficult times that we experience. Help each of us to run with perseverance the race you set before us and to finish that race well with your help. Guide our thoughts to you, Lord, so that we walk in love and peace with you always. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us. It's been really good to have your company. Things are returning to some relative normality in our churches now, so it would be lovely to see you in person, either in St. Catherine's at 10 or St. David's at 3 on a Sunday afternoon. We long to have your company. Remember too that as we journey through Lent towards Easter, there's an opportunity to be delving into Hebrews and to learn the scriptures a little better. We're meeting on a Wednesday evening at seven o'clock in St. David's in Lacha each week, delving into Hebrews and also following the book by Tim Chester, a book called Forgiven. If you haven't yet been, you're very welcome to join us. We would love to see you. As the week progresses, we're always here for you. If there's anything we can do or any support we can offer, then do get in touch. But as we end our service today, we remember that our worship begins as we go out into the world to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as we go, let me pray for God's blessing upon us. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.